pleasure to be here today. Let me, uh, so pastor calls me up and says, I would like for you to speak in February. And this was a couple months ago. And I said, okay, sure. I'd be happy to speak. I always love to come back to Alpha. This is where I got saved uh, 14 years ago. And uh, so I talked to him on Monday and I said, what do you want me to speak about this week? And he says, well, February is the month of love. So talk about love. And I said, well, how about I talk about giving money? And he said, and for those of you who think that pastors are only about the money, he's like, talk about love. And I said, how about I talk about giving? <laughs> and he said, really, I'd like you to talk about love. And I said, okay, all right, I'll talk about love and showing your love through giving. <laughs> I'm kidding, uh, but I'm going to talk about giving. But I'm going to talk about love. And I'm gonna t- the title of my uh, sermon today is Love in Action. God's way, okay, love in action, God's way. So we've talked about love this month. I know some other speakers have been talking over in the main temple about love. And I want to really get that into a place where you can use it yourselves. And I want to show you maybe where we have some disconnects in our lives. So before that, I just want to go ahead and pray to open. So if you join me in prayer, just go ahead and raise your hands, bow your heads, close your eyes. Father God, right now, send this Holy Spirit. Open everyone's hearts and open their ears Give them a soft heart to receive what you have for them today, Lord. Give them vision to see what your word has for them and the promises that you have for them that have been manifested through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask, let it be you, not me, Lord, and let everyone come out with a fresh anointing from this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So I appreciate you guys coming today. Um, I want to start with a couple scripture verses. Can we put John 14, 14, and 15 up, please? My hair's long, man. (laughs) All right. I want to start because we have a blessing through Jesus that we've entered into a relationship with him. And Jesus talks in John 14, 14, where he tells us, if you ask for me, ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I grew up Catholic. I didn't know about praying in the name of Jesus. Anybody else grow up Catholic? I grew up Catholic. You grew up Catholic, you don't know about saying the name, confessing the name of Jesus, that Jesus is the name above all other names. We don't know that we have to, at the end of every prayer, say, in Jesus' name. Because if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. So you have to ask, when you pray to God, you have to put the in Jesus' name at the end of it, because that's what activates that prayer fully. Okay, God knows what's in your heart, and the Bible does say that, you know, he knows he's going to give you the gifts of, you know, what you want in your heart, and that as long as the condition of your heart is good. But I want you to understand, or is aligned with his word, but I want you to understand that when you're praying for things, you have to ask for things in Jesus' name. Let's go to the next sentence. So that's the promise. And then he says, if you love me, keep my commands. So when Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, you'll receive it. And if you love me, keep my commands. And you think, okay, Greg, that's, that's a nice, complete non sequitur. They're not related, right? But then, let's go forward to John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one, now, here's it gets good. The one who loves me will be, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them 
and show myself to them. So if you are not seeing Jesus or God show up in your life, I would just like to put to you during the month of love that maybe we have an obedience problem. And when I say that, I'm not saying that because I'm some holier than thou. I'm not. The reason why Pastor Delgado asked me to speak is because he's heard my story and he knows the struggles I've been through and he knows the tremendous sin that I've engaged in and he also knows that I continue to sin. We all do. It's very, very difficult. We are, we are born of sin, right? The Bible actually says we are born evil. Jesus said that. And we have to, through a relationship with him, we have to come into a relationship with God. And as we enter the relationship with God through Jesus, we then become transformed. And following Jesus' commands becomes our way of showing Jesus that we love him. And getting Jesus to show up in our lives. So let's real quick, what are the two commandments that Jesus gave us? Number one, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, right, your mind. Number two is love your neighbor as yourself. But then Jesus says, all of the law, this is the Old Testament stuff now, the 613 commands that were given to the Jewish people, all of the law of the prophets, everything else, all of that is then taken up in those two commandments. So when Jesus talks about keep my commandments, he's really talking about all of the law. Now, do we get to eat shellfish? Yeah, we can eat shellfish. Peter says we get to eat shellfish. Acts says that. But the point is, is that we have to keep those commands front and center. And I'm going to put to you because, and this is the reason why pastor asked me to speak, because he knows the tremendous battles that I had before I got saved and some of the battles I had after I got saved. But I want to talk to all of you today about two areas that cause us so much trouble. Okay, and two areas where we typically do not obey. Number one is pride. Right? Does anybody know they have a pride problem? Ego, pride, flesh, right? Pride? Pride? Who, can you raise, you can raise, I, I have pride. Anybody else? Raise your hand if you've got a pride problem. Because we're going we're gonna to bind that today. Right? Shows up, right? I can tell you my pride problem showed up by, I'm going to show you. I'll show you all. I'm going to do this thing before I got saved. It was all on me, it was my ego, right? The other way this shows up many times is we have glory, pride. The other one is gold, money. Anybody have money problems? I got money problems. I, I don't have them now, I had them before. When I, when I received Jesus, I was sleeping on a sofa. I was so poor, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So there's two areas right now where we have to obey God's commands because it's all in there in order to bring the full measure of Jesus into our lives, okay? So let's go there. Let's talk a little bit about pride. My wife and I, we have 200 people who work for us. We have offices in, we have three offices. We own two large office buildings. We have, last year we settled $250 million worth of cases across the country. We had one of the largest settlements in the country last year. This year, we're on track to probably do the same. And we're, we've been growing 30 to 50% every year for the last 10 years. With the exception of COVID, 
which we went down for 30%, and then we went back up again and rebounded the next time, or the next, the next year. But when Jesus found me, I was $200,000 in debt, sleeping on a couch. My relationship, I lost all of my friends. I had lost my marriage. And my business was in disarray, wrecked. So let me take you back how my ego got me to that place, okay? I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and I grew up about a mile from the city line. It was a tough town. Anybody from Baltimore? Or we say Baltimore, no? You're from Baltimore? You've been there, right? Well, you go to the tourist areas, it's nice, but you go down Edmondson Avenue, which is near where I lived, or the Caton Avenue, which is a mile from the city line where I, where I went to high school. It's a rough town. A lot of drugs, a lot of crime, methadone clinics, prostitution, all of that stuff. And unfortunately for my family, my younger sister, at the age of 19, fell into heroin addiction. Yeah, you know it. And you know, when, when you have a, she was younger, a year younger, when you get into heroin addiction, there's nothing that's more uh, challenging and destructive to a family than a drug addiction. My mother had what I think was a panic disorder. And so in order to deal with her panic disorder, because there was such a stigma about mental health care back then, she medicated with alcohol. So mom was drinking a lot. My sister was in heroin, and my father was not really close to me. He just didn't really have the tools to deal with these problems, and he didn't have the tools to raise a son. And if you look at me, I was chubby, awkward, well-spoken. That doesn't fit in in a tough town, does it? I had bad hair, and I was incredibly awkward. And so I got beat up a lot <laughs> by bullies all the time. And my dad didn't really have the, the skill set to deal with that. So where did that take me? Well, I said to myself, I knew I was better than this. I know, I know I, that there was something better for my life. And so I started getting into the ego and the pride. And the ego and the pride was, I'm going to show you all. I'll show you. Who here has ever had that in their lives? I'll show you. I'll show you. Who's done that? I'm going to show you. Maybe it's our parents. Maybe it's our teachers. You're raising your hand. It got you, right? i show you. I'll show you. And by the way, that works for a time. That works for a season most of the time. But you don't realize that you're really, you're putting it all in your own flesh. How much can you do in your own flesh? Right? The flesh will eventually fail. But I got into this, I'll show you. I'll show you because in my mind, I knew I was going to be successful. I knew it. Something, it's all you, it's not me. How successful am I, are you going to be, Greg? I'm going to be rock star successful. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to have a lot of money. I'm going to have a lot of girls. I'm going to have the nice cars. I'm going to have all of it. And I'm going to show all of you. All of you. So I had a greed issue and I had a pride issue. Okay, growing up. And by the way, let me tell you about how successful I was in that season. I went to law school. I graduated the top of my class in law school. I gave the graduation speech. I got a great job down in Miami. In 1999, I was making $120,000 a year. That was a lot of money for a guy who never had money before in 1999. And that's where my pride got me, right? So it will work for a season, but it cannot sustain you. 
And I saw the path forward, thinking I'm going to work at this big firm, I'm going to represent these big companies, I'm going to get rich. Fast forward 10 years, give or take. Did I, you think I had the rock star lifestyle? No, I did not. <laughs> 10 years later, so my sister, the heroin addict, was diagnosed with terminal leukemia. Now the thing about heroin is it's cut with benzene, and benzene is the only known risk factor for the AML leukemia that she had. So she was diagnosed with leukemia, she battled, she died a year later. A year after that, my father was diagnosed with terminal leukemia. At that same time, my daughter Elizabeth is here, her mother had, her two parents both had strokes and she had to move to Europe to take care of her parents. I won't get into the details except to say that that marriage got wrecked. And then I started having fights with my business partners. I had three businesses, two of which had already gone out of business, and the one law firm that I had was already kind of on the rocks. I, my income went down to the lowest income it has been since I graduated from law school during that period of time. And I accumulated $200,000 worth of debt. My house got into foreclosure, and I was not a good business person at that point, so I started drinking. That was what I was using to medicate this. And I'm still thinking, God's, I wasn't thinking God's got a plan for me. I was thinking, I'm going to show you, right? But I ended up sleeping on a couch. Elizabeth slept, and my daughter slept in the bed. I had a little twin bed. She slept in the bed upstairs when she was with me. I shared custody with her mom, and I would sleep on the couch, this little nasty green pull-out couch from Ikea. Like, it was gross. And my house was in foreclosure. So that's where the point, that's the point that Jesus found me. Wreck marriage, business on the rocks, dead father, dead sister. Mom was drinking a lot. But I met my wife, Hani Martinez Ward, who went to Alpha and Omega Church. <laughs> and... With, we went, to a, we went to a luncheon, and she saw me across the room, and six weeks before that, she had written a letter to God when Pastor Delgado told her this. He said, write a letter to God saying everything you want in a husband. And when she saw me, she heard for the first time, not heard for the first time, she heard, that's going to be the man you're going to marry. So ladies, <laughs> write a letter to God. But I'm going to tell you something, because she, she kind of messed this up. She, what she did was, she wrote, you know, light eyes, attorney, you know, this, all these other things that she wrote. She forgot to write, has money, has a house, doesn't have kids. Not that she didn't want Elizabeth, but I had kids, right? Was, was single or wasn't divorced, right? She forgot to write all that other stuff, but she wrote these other qualities of what she thought she wanted, and she says, I checked off every box. Every single box I checked off. And she heard the Holy Spirit say, that's going to be the man you're going to marry. She did not tell me that when she first came up to me. Can you imagine that pickup line, right? <laughs> Holy Spirit, non-Christian, non-believer, 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 she comes to me and she says, the Holy Spirit told me I'm going to marry you. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> I'm out. She told me like, maybe eight months later, nine months later, after I got saved. So I started asking her, I was like, I'm, and I'm sleeping on a couch, right? What a bum. I had $200,000 in debt. Now my wife, 
then at the time, had $265,000 in debt from student loans and everything else, right? She came across the border when she was 14, Cuban immigrant, had a backpack and her little brother with her mom. She went to work, she went to Barbara Goldman High School, she went to work at the flea market in Opalaka. Fortunately, she got a scholarship to uh, University of Florida, but she had to pay for her law school education herself, and so and she was, money was a struggle for her, a struggle. And of course, for me at the time, it was a giant struggle too. But that's where Jesus finds me. So I said to her, I said, listen, I want to go to Alpha and Omega Church. And she says, well, I don't want to take you until I know it's serious. And I was like, listen, I'm a Christian. I can go. I watch Joel Osteen. Like, I watch him almost every Sunday, right? <laughs> Praise God for Joel Osteen. I mean, he laid the foundation. He really did. I don't mean to mock him, but I did not understand the relationship with Jesus, right? Because they put it on TV, so it's, for, it's very light for people, but I didn't understand the power of Jesus at that moment, right? If he made me feel good, but it wasn't the relationship with Jesus that we needed. And so she took me to Alpha and Omega Church. It was at the main temple. It was an English service, just like this. This service, 14 years ago, over in the main temple, and Pastor Delgado was preaching. We had uh, Jonathan Geiner was preaching back then in the English services, but pastor happened to preach that English service. And so I walked into that service, and I felt the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life, for real. And Pastor Delgado was singing at the end of the worship service, and I started crying. I started crying. And I got to the end of the service, and thank God for pastor. He did an altar call that day. And he said to me, he didn't say to me, he said to the church, if you have tried everything else in life and it hasn't worked, this is for you. You need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And I heard my first encounter with God that day because I heard a voice and said, go. And I felt pushed. I felt like somebody pushed me. I felt the Holy Spirit push me. So I heard a voice, go. And I ran to the front of the temple over there. I was the only person that day. And in that minute, I realized two things. The number one thing I realized is that Jesus was the literal son of God. And he literally rose from the dead. Amen. And when I say, yeah, let's give Jesus a hand. It's the truth. Because in the world, most people don't realize that our God is a living God. In fact, there's a lot of Christians who don't realize that. They don't realize that Jesus is right here, the Holy Spirit is right here, God is right here. I grew up as a Catholic thinking God's up there. No, God's right here. And if you're not in relationship with him, then what's the point? And by the way, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what's the point? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul says this, it's all over for us. Our entire faith is based on the fact that Jesus literally walked out of the tomb. Literally. And I realized that whatever happened, God, I revealed it, it happened in my heart. I realized that Jesus rose from, the, like I'm telling you, I'm sitting there as I'm saying the prayer of salvation, Jesus rose from the dead, it hits my spirit. And the second thing that hit my spirit and is the most powerful thing that beyond my relationship with Jesus, the word of God that says, speak to the mountain, be moved. 
And if you believe with this faith the size of a mustard seed and it's God's will, the mountain be cast into the ocean. And there's different scripture that says this, but it's, this is the message. Be moved, mountain. And if I believe in my, in my heart with faith and it's consistent with God's will, the mountain is going to move. And that is also a literal truth. Now, what does that mean? Because you guys are probably looking at me thinking, this guy's cuckoo, right? And I'm intense. I know it. But I'm going to tell you this, that every miracle after that, when I pray for a miracle, I know that it will happen. And I don't mean this, you know, airy, fairy type miracle stuff. Like, a freaking mountain will move. Like, if it's God's will that that, that, that deus back, that little projector area back there, moves, and I say, be cast into the ocean, it will get up and fly into the ocean, and you got to believe that. And you got to believe that when you be- accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And when you confess it out there, you've got to believe it because the devil's going to get you on the ropes. Right? And praise God. Look, God took me on a path, and it was an awful path. I pray none of you have to go down that path, except if your pride or your greed get in the way, because that's what God had to put me through to get me to the point where I am today. Because every time a little pride comes into my head, or every time a little greed comes into my head, I hear the Holy Spirit say, remember sleeping on the couch? When anybody says, it talks about my office buildings, oh, it must be so great to have two big office buildings. I'm sorry, they're not my office buildings. They are God's office buildings. I correct everybody all the time. Amen, it's God's office building. I was in my elevator, God's elevator. I was in the elevator the other day, and I was like, man, I I own an elevator. I own multiple elevators. It's God's elevator. God's elevator. So I don't want to say I struggle with this too much because I really do know that God is the source of everything. But think about the pride in your lives where you think, I made this. I did this. No, God did it. God did it. He did everything. And he gets all the glory. That's the key is he's got to get all the glory. And I want to get clear about this because... You know, the problem is, is that we get tied up in our pride, right? We do. And I was in my pride. I was my, I'll show you, right? I'll show you. I'm going to show you. I, top of my class, got this great job, all that stuff. And where did that lead me? Sleeping on a couch. I do believe that if you have a big path in your life, that God may need to work a little bit more on you and may let some things happen to you to prepare you for the next season, right? We, we think the suffering is, you know, is, is a result of either our sin, because God's a vengeful God, or, you know, we think that it's, uh, you know, it's not God's plan. Well, you know what, God, it does say in the Bible that God will permit some suffering to occur, right? There's, remember the blind man, when, when uh, who, who sinned that caused him to be blind? Jesus says, no, 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 that's just to reveal God's glory through his healing. Right, remember that? So you think about this for a second. You know what? Sometimes there's going to be some suffering, and, and, and sometimes God may permit that to happen. If we were all unified with him, then we wouldn't need suffering. But sometimes we need some suffering to prepare us for whatever he has for us next. So for me, the pride got me to the top of my class, but then it also took me down onto the couch. And that's where God stepped in. Because now I can't say, it's me. It's not me. It's God. Everything is God. Because when I came to God, I was, between my wife and myself, we were $465,000 in debt. Right? Father, my sister died of cancer. We had all these issues. House was in foreclosure. All that stuff. And that's where God steps in. Now, 
I get to talk about the redemption. Because then when that, all those bad things happened, I had to give it all over to him. But I was armed with two things. I was armed with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, right? And the other thing I was armed with was the faith that I knew that if I spoke to a mountain, be moved, it would be moved. I guess three things. <laughs> and that's where we started from. And this was 14 years ago. I want to talk about obedience with pride because one of the things is we all, we have this issue of pride and how does that hold back our blessings? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. If that day over there at the temple, I had resisted or hesitated coming up and doing the altar call because I was so overcome by the spirit, fortunately, my flesh didn't have a chance to say, hey, wait, let's be honest, let's confess it. No, no criticism here because I'm going to raise my hand for this. How many of you have heard an altar call for prayer and then you haven't done it? because you don't want to look like a cuckoo, or whatever reason. I've done it, I've done it. Me too, even after I got saved, I've done it. Right? How many times, that's, we're not, we're not obeying. We're not submitting completely to God. It's, and, and it's our flesh, it's our pride that's doing that for us. Right? If I have a problem, I'm worried to come up to the front of the church because I may get judged. Oh, Greg has this problem? I thought he was rich, I thought he was a millionaire. He's got problems? Little footnote, by the way. For those of you who want to be rich, I can tell you that rich people have more problems than poor people. <laughs> it's the truth. In fact, it's, I don't know if you know this. I mean, I live with rich people now. I have a, I'm living in a big building with a bunch of rich people. Let me tell you, those people don't stop complaining. There's always something wrong, right? I mean, you think the money solves the problems. The money just gives you bigger problems, right? You show up in a limo to your really big problem, right? But it doesn't change the problems. I've got bigger problems now. In fact, with my 200 employees, I've got 200 more problems, because i got to solve all their problems too, right? Or at least show them God's love and his promises, remind them of that, and hopefully they'll solve that problem for themselves through God, right? But if you, if you think that money is going to cure your problems, it will cure, the, it will cure the, the lack at that moment, but it will open the door to more problems. It really will. And if your heart isn't right for the money, I'll get to, to greed in a second, money can kill you, right? Because you can't serve two masters. So I want to put into your heart, just there's no criticism here, there's no judgment, no offense, but if someone does an altar call in an area you're struggling in, submit your pride, get your pride under control, come up to the front, receive the blessing. Grab the blessing. I want to talk about uh, another miracle that happened here. My wife and I had problems with infertility. Hani and I had problems with infertility. So they did a little, so we were talking to Pastor about this, um, this was now, I guess, eight years ago. On a Friday night, I remember we were telling him we, we can't get pregnant. And pastor uh, does an altar call for prayer. And he says, that Sunday, and he says, all the women who are having trouble getting pregnant, I want them coming up here. And I start laughing. Ha ha, she's got to go. I don't have to go, right? Does anybody love to come up to the front of the altar? Do you? No? Nobody loves it, right? There's always a little struggle with the flesh, at least for me. So I'm laughing, and my wife gets called up there, and he starts praying. And then he says, now I want all the husbands to come up. To go up, and I, and I didn't want to go up, but then I would, my wife would be there by herself, and I know he knew my name, so he'd call me out. So I go up there and I pray, and he prayed. He laid his hands on Hani's abdomen area, and uh, I can tell you, we got pregnant that month. Praise God. Praise God. Give God a hand. 
there was a battle of the flesh. And by the way, there were some also some financial seeds and things that I had sown. I want to be clear, there's a lot that went into that. But that moment of obedience, oh, and by the way, you know what else he did? He made us walk around the church seven times. I mean, come on, man, seriously? He's like, the walls will come down. Walk around the church seven times. I mean, it took us like 20 minutes to walk around that church over there seven times. Now, I could have blown it off, right? But God is looking at the condition of my heart. I will do anything for God. I'll do anything for my kids, right? And God saw that condition of my heart. There was a moment of flesh, though, right? It's pro- I'm, I'm a lawyer. Come on, man. I had some success at that point. I'm a successful lawyer walking around the church, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know? I mean, oh, man. It was like, it was like a thousand people there, too. It was difficult, but I had to submit my flesh, and that was a pride moment. I'm going to share one other thing. I didn't share this in the Spanish service. You know, to decide to go out and start my own law firm with my wife, I was thinking that prayer didn't work. And I'm going to tell you the miracle that happened. My wife and I, we were praying on a, I said to my wife, prayer doesn't work. And I was with at her, mother, her mother's house in Hialeah. And she said, uh, I'm going to show you what works. Get down on your knees right now. Do you know how hard it is for a man, for a lawyer? I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul, before he was converted, was Saul, right? He was a teacher of laws, so he was a lawyer, and he, was, and he was incredibly prideful, right? Do you know how hard it is for a man who's prideful to get on his knees to pray? But I'm going to tell you something. God's looking for that condition of your heart. So I didn't know if I should go start my own firm, if I should leave my business partners, a firm that I had started. Should I leave these people and go out on my own? Honey says, I'm going to show you prayer works. Get down on your knees right now. We sat on our knees, little knees in highly. I'm going to get down on my knees. My knees hurt. We're here. And we held hands like this, right? And she says, Father God, right now, show Greg if he should leave his firm or if he should stay. Make the answer clear and make it quick. In Jesus' name, amen. That was a prayer. And I go to church the next day. Nicole Crank was preaching. And so she gets up. Do you remember that service? It was 14 years ago. She gets up and she says, I have a word for you today. And the word is, Get up and go. <laughs> I feel the Holy Spirit right now. I mean, I, I, my jaw dropped. I looked over at my wife. I was like, that's it. So we started. I prayed for confirmation, and I had confirmation three months later, but I started looking for office space that week, right? But it started on my knees, right? It's hard for a man to be on his knees. It's no offense, guys, but it's hard for us because we're used to being the leaders, and, and it's hard for us to submit to God. Amen, right? Submission. We've got to submit. We've got to obey. We've got to get our pride under control. So after I finished walking around the church seven times, <laughs> I still don't like altar calls. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't like going up there. I don't like looking like I'm, but I force my flesh. I will claim the blessing that God has for us. I will claim that blessing for me. And I know that the more that I do, it's not just about the altar call. It's, it's about showing God your real heart, that I know my pride wants to get back involved and I don't want to do it, but God, I'm going to show you. And so I get to come here today and tell you all, God, it's all about you. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's not about me at all. So I had, and by the way, that's a challenge for me sometimes. It just is because I'm a man and men are, we have pride. Women, you do too. I'll be honest. I'm, I'll bust you too, right? You have pride with your kids, don't you? Right? How many people struggle to say, I'm sorry to, my, to your kids? Do you struggle with it? Be honest. How many people, it's easy to say sorry to your kids? Raise your hand. I'll do it the other way. Is it easy to say sorry to the kids? Okay, easy, right. 
So the rest of you, it's hard for you to say sorry to your kids. That means you've got a pride issue, right? Now, I, and this is, a, this is really a Latin thing because I have a lot, of, uh, work, uh, a lot of parents work for me. And I said, you apologize to your kids? Never, never apologize to my kids. Why not? Were you wrong? Yeah, but I'm not going to apologize. Why? It's going to give them something to use against me. You think they don't know you're wrong and you think they're not going to use it against you when they're out with their friends and their friends are giving them a temptation that they should resist, but they won't. Well, my father won't say he's sorry. My mother won't say she's sorry. So you know what? Maybe this isn't so wrong. Right? Or I'll show them. I'll show you, parents. Now, here's how you do it. I talked to my daughter. Baby, I'm sorry. I was wrong there. She gives me an attitude. Now, stop right there. I'm sorry I'm wrong, but that does not give you liberty to attack me this way. So you can just stop. We can have this discussion later. Have we said that before? Yeah, we said it before, right? You, don't, you shouldn't have any leverage over me. Or do we still have unresolved issues? Oh, yeah, right? There are a lot of things that are between parents. They are. But if you let your kids go, with you not showing that you can apologize to them meaningfully, sincerely, you've got a pride issue. You got to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got pride too, so I know. I'm just calling it out for all of us. We're brothers and sisters here. I'm not a pastor. I'm going to call it out so you can, God can begin to work on it in you. Okay? I want to talk about the other way to mess up. It's with money. This is a big one for most of us. Right? I told you I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be like, not literally a rock star, but I wanted to have rock star fame. I want everybody to see me on the streets, be like, oh, you're so great. I want to be rich and drive the Lamborghini, have all the girls, all that stuff. That's what I thought success was back when I was younger. And so I got greedy, and I got about the money. I wanted to make the most money possible. And so I started making moves in my business to try and make a lot of money, and all those moves failed. You can find out if you have an issue with money by just looking at your tithes and offerings. Again, no judgment, no criticism. The Apostle Paul tells us there can be no guilt in giving. I do not want anyone to ever give out of guilt. I do want you to give out of repentance, though. There's a difference. I don't want to lean on you to say, oh, you should feel bad about this. No, no, no. But I can tell you, I, I stand here and testify that what God has for you is way bigger than what you have for yourself right now. The way you get to what God has for you is to release some of what you have in your hand right now. It's already all his. It's already his. Right? God owns all the wealth. So release 10% of it, and let's see what he can give to you, because he promises in his word that he will open the windows of heaven such that you won't be able to receive the blessings. And he's not talking just about spiritual health, relationships. He's talking about money. And why is that? Because if you go back and look at 2 Corinthians, you know what? You can be blessed to be a blessing. There's Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. But he's going to overflow the blessings, and then you're going to be a blessing to other people, and then they're going to come to Jesus too. So he wants you to be a blessing. People don't listen to you if you're broke, right? They don't. They're like, thanks, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to talk about a couple of, uh, a couple of miracles here. Um, so, our, so my wife and I started a firm after Nicole Crank told us to get up and go. And it was still a struggle because I still had $465,000 in debt and I didn't have a lot of money, maybe $10,000 in cash. 
And I settled a couple things, and I got a nice, cheap office space that I could get where I was leasing from other people. I was on Brickle, but I was basically like, we were in like a little closet office. My wife was on the laptop computer in a fold-out table, still sleeping on the couch. And uh, we started, and I had several clients at that time that I took with me from my old firm that I left. And the biggest one of those clients fired me out of the blue. Now, I'm Christian, so this isn't supposed to happen to me. Right? God, you're supposed to bless me. My biggest client just fired me. And that's like $40,000 a month I was making there. Just, and it was only for like three or four months, so I hadn't even built up a, you know, a, a decent bank account yet. Hired a couple secretaries, and it was, it was a mess. And I tell my wife this. I get the email out of the blue. I'd never been fired by a client before. I walk into my wife's uh, little closet office, and I said, this client just fired us. She got shocked, and she starts crying. And she's like, what are we going to do? I said, I'll tell you exactly what we're going to do. This weekend, we're going to give a special offering at church because the devil will not control my finances. So that weekend, I went to Alpha and Omega right here. I prayed, God, how much should I give? And he told me $1,000, which was a lot of money for me at that time. And so we sowed a seed. And one week later, I got a letter in the mail. And the letter was from a judge up in Palm Beach. And the letter said, or it was an order from the court, that said that the judge had denied all of the insurance company's defenses, which allowed us to win the case. So the insurance company then calls me and says, the only issue we have to resolve, we're going to pay the full claim, the only issue we have to resolve is how much of a fee do you have to pay? You, me. And they had dragged me around for three years. I'd taken dozens of depots, which, depositions, which wasn't necessary jerked me around, and uh, made the case far more complicated than it had to be. And I said, okay, well, look, I could go to court, and I could seek $200,000 from you, or you can pay me $110,000 right now. And a week later, I had a check for $110,000 in my bank account. And that's praise God. What does the Bible say about sowing? When you sow into the gospel, some of you will be blessed with a 30-fold return. Some of you will be blessed with a 60-fold return. And for Greg Ward, this time you get blessed with a 100-fold return. And so you know what I said? I said, Father God, I promise you right now that every, every business I own from now on will be called hundredfold something. And if you want to see this, you go up to Miami Lakes on 67th Avenue and Miami Lakes Drive by the CVS and Publix, there is a building called the Hundredfold Business Center. That's our office. We just bought another office building on the other side of Miami Lakes. It's the Kislak building. Soon that will be Hundredfold Business Center 2. And if you go online, you can see I've got like 15 companies now. They're all hundredfold something. Because I'm declaring forward now that you exercise obedience. God can bless you a hundredfold. You sow back into the gospel. God's going to reward you a hundredfold. Hundredfold. At least thirtyfold. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold. Who wants a thirtyfold blessing? I'll take it. I'm declaring I'm getting a hundredfold blessing. Or even more than a hundredfold. 
right? Sometimes I've sowed seeds and gotten more than a hundredfold. Praise God. But the point is that all starts with an obedient heart that I follow the rules of tithing and I also follow the rules of offering because I won't let the devil control my finances. And it can be for all of us too. I don't want to shame anybody. I don't want to guilt you into giving, but I want you to understand that. I'm going to talk about the last miracle. Yeah, you always know when the musician comes up. Okay, he's getting ready to close. All right. I had to get through all this with translation in the other service, so I was like flying. Here I got to take a little bit of time. Here's the last miracle. Can you put the picture of my kids up, please? So here's the last miracle. You guys are sitting here thinking, that's my family, that's Hani, that's my daughter Elizabeth there in the middle, those are my twins, Chloe and Kaylee. Let's give them a little hand. That's a blessing from God. So you guys are sitting here thinking, right? And I would be too. Greg, you talk about blessing. You talk about wealth. You talk about health. You talk about family. You talk about things. And I've got a book full of miracles. I write down when God gives us another miracle. But your father and your sister both died from cancer. And so the one struggle that I really had at that time, right, was remembering the, the, cancer, the, the terminal cancer that both my, both my family members had. And I'm a man of faith, and so I know by his stripes I am healed. But what about my kids? What if they get cancer when they're 60 and I'm already with the Lord? You know, and I'm sorry I brought this curse onto them. And so I would pray. Every time somebody said the, the cancer word, I would say, but it will not come near me or my family in Jesus' name. I would cancel it over and over every time. And by the way, when you pray, pray out loud, please. Pray out loud. Like, whisper it even. I'm telling you, I've been in meetings with people where I'm like, God, I need you to show up here. Father God, right now, show me the condition of their heart. I'm whispering this. While they're talking to me, I'm whispering this prayer. Father God, show me the condition of their heart right now. Please send the Holy Spirit. Make this crooked way straight. No way before it against me to prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. The number of miracles that is followed right after the word amen, I can't even number them. There's so many miracles. because I, say, I had one guy, I was like, I couldn't tell if he was going to rip me off or not. Father, show me the condition of his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And he says, if I had the money, I'd go start my own business, but I can't, so I'm stuck here with you. And I was like, thank you, Father, you're fired. <laughs> and the guy goes, wait, what? I said, yeah, yeah, you're fired, go. Like right now, literally right now, get up and walk out. And I sent one of my people in to close down. His he tried to steal a bunch of stuff from us. I shut it down. He never saw it coming. God revealed his heart to me. Pray it out loud, whisper it. And, I'm, and he's talking to me, and I'm like, like what's this guy? I'm whispering, I go, only I can hear it. Right? It sounds crazy, but God, went, confess the word, right? When you need to confess it boldly, confess it boldly. God tells us to do that. Confess Jesus boldly. So here, wait, give me a picture of my kids up there again. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my kids. I, I'm crying. My daughter, Elizabeth, I'm like, I'm upset. Like, how am I going to be able to intercede for them when I'm, when I'm gone? And so I planted these little seeds. I would give little offerings. Anytime I had a little fear about cancer, I'd give a little offering in church. And uh, who here knows that the creator of the universe can rewrite your DNA. Who here knows that? Do you know that? I know it. I know it. Get ready. God, there it is. But I had these moments at night where I'd be like, God, please, I cancel that. Do not let it come near me or my family. And then two years ago, see, my wife was always joking that she's from Spain. My wife is Cuban, and she's from Spain, right? Every Cuban says they're from Spain, right? <laughs> Todo Cubanos, they're from Spain. I was like, baby, you're not from Spain. Like, my, my wife, she's not from Spain. Come on. 
She's got like kinky hair, all this stuff. I say, that's not Spanish. She's like, I'm going to show you. We go, let's go do Ancestry.com. And son of a gun, she's from Spain. <laughs> I'm laughing at her. I'm like, I know where I'm from. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm European, German, Scottish, British, whatever, you know. But two years ago, I got a little email from Ancestry.com. And it said, we've located a close genetic match, parent. Okay, that's weird. I opened it up and it said, we've located your father. So it turns out that my father, the man who died of cancer, was not actually my father. And the first thing that I said, my father had already passed on. The man who raised me, the man who I knew and loved as a father, had raised me. He had passed on. My mother had passed on too. But my first, my first thought was, thank God my children will never be touched by cancer in Jesus' name. Because it's not in my genes. It's not in my bloodline. And the second thing I thought at that moment, and this is the important one is, and I don't care what my last name is, I'm a son of God. Jesus is my savior. I don't need to know what my last name is because I'm a son of God. And so I just want to speak this into your lives. If you're struggling with an area in your life, check your heart. Look for your obedience. If Jesus isn't showing up the way you want him to, right? it says in the scripture, I will manifest to you, to him, Right? I will manifest if you keep my commandments. This can't be out of guilt. It's not out of guilt. Galatians 5 tells us you cannot do anything out of guilt. This is the circumcision thing, right? You can't do the law. But if you try and follow the law just to follow the law for salvation, get this. If you try and follow the law and think that's going to get you closer to God just because you want to follow the law, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good. We're still under the law. But if you follow the law because you love God, and you want to get closer to him. Let me give you an example with your kids. When you ask your kids for a cup of coffee and they run out and they bring you the coffee and they're so excited and they say, here, mommy, I love you. Here, daddy, I love you. Here's the coffee, right? That's the kind of obedience God wants from us. So happy to serve him. If your kid goes out and is like, oh, God, come on, man. Okay, I'll get you the coffee. That's not what he wants. That's obedience. That's that's, that's not what he wants. He wants the love the first way. He wants the love the right way. And if you do that, if you do that, you will see Jesus show up in your life. So if you have a problem, I know we're all struggling with things. And if you feel like, why has God abandoned me? Or prayer isn't working, check your heart. See where areas where you can obey because you want to get in that closer relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.